Many of you have been riding the crazy train uh, lately. Would you confess? Would you confess? Maybe raise your hand here or there. Um, you've been sick and you've been tired and tired of being sick and tired. Um, you excitedly watch uh, elections and, um, and then are confused and disillusioned by results and still wondering uh, months after, and maybe it's going to be a couple months after, and who knows what the future holds. Uh, we've been dodging the coronavirus um, to one degree or another, uh, successfully or unsuccessfully. Um, we realize that many have uh, gotten sick even recently, um, and many are hanging on uh, for the hope of some kind of vaccine that's going to solve all our problems, and everything's going to go back to normal. Good luck with that. Um, And then there are personal issues. Many of us have things going on in our own hearts and lives and marriages and families, uh, things that we uh, want to control. How many of you want to control some things in your life right now? Want to be a controller, fix things? Um, And we just really can't do that, right? God hasn't intended for us to be controllers of life. Uh, we've been called to be livers of life uh, as children of God, and so uh, we struggle. And the question comes up over and over again, and this is the question the whole world asks. It's not just God's people. Um, it's what's going to get me through? What's going to get me through? Now, uh, decorations are meant to... Uh, share with us something. They're meant to remind us and make us feel good about what's going on. And uh, one of the the decorations that's very interesting is just the word love, love. And um, if you've watched any Christmas movies, uh, it's a theme, love, that that somehow love is going to get you through. Um, Sometimes it's just the love of a a, a new puppy. Uh, If you... uh, are struggling with life, get a new puppy. That'll fix everything. I have a friend, uh, he, I just spoke with him in the last uh, couple of weeks, and we'd lost touch, and he was telling me he moved to Hawaii, and uh, I said, oh, great, you know, and he says, yeah, you know, we're trying to figure stuff out, we're renting, and oh, yeah, and we have, um, uh, we have dogs, we have dogs. Not one, not two, not three, but six and it, he, he mentioned to me that's kind of difficult to find a rental when you have six dogs in Hawaii. Um, I, I could have fixed it all for him in a moment, but I didn't want to go there. Um, but we, we think that somehow love is going to do it. And, and by the way, that is the answer. Love is the answer. Um, we're going to get to what that love is. Uh, today, and that will be hopefully helpful for us as we kind of sort through uh, this day and the days ahead. Um, Now, many of us think of life like this, the plan of God. This is the plan of God and how this should work out. This is what should work out in my life, the plan of God. Oh, here it goes like this. Um, The plan of God leads you and I, to temporary hiccups, temporary hiccups that lead to temporary blessings 
that make my life good and easy until we get to go to heaven. Temporary hiccups to temporary blessings that get me through the, 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 these things until I get to go to heaven. Many of us think that that's the plan of God. But sometimes, many times, the plan of God goes like this. Uh, the plan of God leads us to temporary difficulties that are both discouraging and overwhelming that last longer than we think we can bear. Many times, sometimes, the plan of God leads us to temporary difficulties that are both discouraging and overwhelming that last longer than we can bear. Actually, that when we that last longer than we think we can bear. And I just want to encourage you today. We're going to look at love as being the answer. Turn in your Bibles to First John chapter four. It's a great passage on love. A great passage on uh, um, just some of the themes of love. And we're going to um, do an overview of this passage. And then we're going to look specifically at verse 10. 1 John chapter 4, verse, verse, starting at verse 7. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd love to read it to you. <coughs> starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not uh, love does not know God because God is love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask your blessing on it. Help us as your people uh, to uh, understand a little bit better the way you have loved us and why you have cared and what that means for us as we consider this life. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, uh, this is a passage where there's love all over it, and so we want to just breeze through it, and then, like I said, we will look and focus in on verse 10. Uh, as we see this passage, we're called to love one another. Love is to be the way we interact with one another. I think often, as God's people, uh, we think we are people of knowledge, and we are and we are people of knowledge, but our knowledge should not speak louder than our love for one another. Our, our, 
the thing that should stand out in our interactions with one another is not that we are smart, it's not that we are studied, it's not that we are right, but it's that we would love one another. And the, the idea of one another is the, the idea of the corporate, uh, the, the connections that we have as God's people. We are called to love one another. We should rem- remind each other of that here at Bear Valley Church. Um, these are days dif- uh, difficult for unity, of knowing uh, what to do and what not to do. And uh, in all these things, we should remember to love one another. As it goes on this passage, it tells us that love is from God. It comes from himself. It originates with him. It's not, as I mentioned before, it's not with puppies or the Easter bunny or Cupid himself. It's not something that uh, man invented. It's not something that's connected to a particular nation of people who have figured out how to love. It's not something that uh, psychologists have figured out or uh, uh, man has written books about, but rather love is from God. Thirdly, I would say this, that love shows that we are born of God and know him. Uh, As we consider what it is that we see the evidence in our own lives and hearts that we truly know him, it's that we love it's that his love is, is, is in us, and, and, and we see it come out. It's not just something in our hearts, but rather that um, there's evidence of that as, as we live out our lives. Love shows that we've been born of God and know him. It's the mark of salvation and relationship with the God who loves us. Fourthly, uh, love was shown in Christ. Uh, Love is many times just spoken, and and God did not want to just speak or to um, write down for us that he loved us, but rather he showed his love to her for us. And then fifthly, this is love. This is love. He, he wants to uh, distinguish in this passage, he wants to say, this is what love is. As you go through your life and as you see love in different ways, and this is what love truly is. And it, it's not mine, it's not yours, it's not our kind of love, it's his. And sixthly, six, that's not even, never mind. Number six, um, give me a break. I haven't preached for a couple of weeks. I've been sitting at home thinking about what to say. And not saying anything. Uh, uh, It's an if-then sort of love. Um, As we look at this passage, we realize that because uh, if he loved us in this way, we love in this sort of way. Uh, We respond to his love for us in loving one another. And then lastly, we see that his love is in us. Is in us, and this, this is what this passage. There's a lot to, that could be said here, uh, but now I really want to focus in on First John four ten, where it says this, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. As we look at this, we we start out and we see that His. He gives us his special love. Um, 
He starts kind of with the negative by saying that it's, this is what love is. It's not your kind of love. It's not that you have loved God. I think often we, we look at, um, we describe our relationship and we say, well, I love God. Like that's the central point of your relationship. That God is so blessed by us loving him. And he makes clear that that's not that that's insignificant, but it's insignificant compared to the love of God, the love that God has for us. It's not that we would love God. That's not the amazing picture here. In fact, um, it's, that seems the most natural thing, and yet it's not. As we think about who we are in our sinful, fallen humanity, for us, it's not na- we're not naturally inclined to love the God, the, the one, the, the God who sent his son. We're not naturally inclined to love him. Because of our sinfulness and because of our pride, our fallen humanity, we are naturally uh, a lover of ourselves. And so not even our best attempts at loving God should be considered when it comes to the discussion of love. What is it then? Well, it's not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us. As you think of uh, the great picture of love, it's that he loved you. You, you need to think about that. And you, uh, many times we think of others. We think of, boy, you know, that, that person is an extremely wicked person. And I, I think of this story I heard of this one guy who got saved, and it was amazing that God would love someone like that. That's not it. The amazing picture of love is not in uh, one other person. It's in all persons, including you. Him being holy, him being holy, and us being human. This makes this amazing picture of love. When I say human, it's a nice way of saying depraved, fallen, stumbling, sinning, dead in our souls, people. That's who we are. And he loved us. And he loved us. Don't, don't, don't get over that. As you celebrate Christmas, uh, you can say to yourself over and over again, Christmas, he loved us. He, he knew about me. It's not that he didn't know about me. It's not that he, you know, it was uh, good marketing on my part. I hid all the ugliness. He, he loved me. He loved me. It's not that I loved him, but that, He loved me. This is his special kind of love. In verse 10, we we see his special love, but we also see his special love proof. Love proof. I I say proof because, once again, it wasn't just words that he said, I do love you. But as you look at this passage, you see that he sent his son in a previous verse he says made manifest 
It's the, the, the picture that, that um, he had a plan and he sent his son on purpose. I, I know that we lack purpose in our lives so often and uh, we wake up in the morning and uh, you know we have no plan for the day or uh, things just kind of fall in place and we act like it's some kind of miracle that uh, had, we had nothing to do with it. Well, Jesus coming to earth wasn't a happenstance. Uh, that's part of the prophecy, but also, uh, you know, the events and the, the star and all the, all the significant events and prophecies coming together and miracles coming together at the birth of Christ. You get this picture that it was meant to happen. It was prepared long in advance, but also at the time the world stopped there was this there was things being moved around that Jesus would be born why because he was sent he was sent he was uh sent there was proof of god's love is that he came as we see this this word made manifest he sent his son Always remember that he knew our ugliness, but he sent his son nonetheless with a plan, with a plan. This was his special love proof. And then uh, lastly, we see in this verse, his special recipients of this love. It says that in this, he lo- in this is love, not that we would love God, but that he would love us. He, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation is the idea of the, the act of appeasing or atoning for guilt and sin. Now, um, I, I think this word propitiation, it's only used a few times in the New Testament, but um, it's not one we really use in conversation, but it's the idea of taking care of sin and guilt, taking care of it. And, and sin and guilt, we all are very familiar with, right? The idea that we have accomplished or, or we have sinned, and uh, because of the sin, we have guilt. And how, how can this be taken care of? Uh, most of us in our humanity quickly go to some kind of work system. Well, um, I did something bad, so I'm going to go do something good, and that will somehow cancel out the sins that we have made. That's generous on our part, by the way. And when I say generous, because we assume that we can do more good works than the bad works that we have done. That's bad math is what it is. Uh, because the sins that we have committed are uh, hard to number because they don't just have actions, they have attitudes, pride, selfishness. And as you connect all those things that we have done in pride, selfishness, and uh, boy, there's a lot. And so for us, um, I don't even think there's, it's even close, but the idea here is this, that we cannot take care of it. In the Old Testament, the... Um, the priest would bring a sacrifice and they'd prepare the sacrifice and, and then uh, the animal would die and that would be the sacrifice for sins. It was a picture of what needed to happen 
and the cost of one's sins. And Jesus came um, to be <coughs> to be uh, the propitiation or the atoning, appeasing sacrifice for sin. I remember when I was in high school, actually just after high school, it was in the first couple of years of my college years, and a couple of friends of mine, um, one of their dads, a wealthy man, and they had a pretty pretty good-sized house in Santa Barbara up on the hill, and um, my friends had some time, and uh, one of their dads hired them to paint their house and gave them an airless sprayer. How many of you have used an airless sprayer? They work a lot better than you'd think they would. Um, and so it was a big house and fairly affluent neighborhood in Santa Barbara. And these two uh, fairly responsible but still college-aged uh, type young men uh, painting a house with an airless sprayer. And they're going about their business. And they come to the corner of the house and they're spraying, spraying, spraying. They're, they're really accomplishing a lot. They're, they're doing a great job. And that airless sprayer is doing its job too. It's pumping out paint. You know, they're going like this. And uh, later in the day, uh, an irate uh, neighbor comes over and says that there's white paint on their black car. And, uh, and what had happened was they were painting the house, but they also, because the paint just kind of sails off in the distance, and landed on the car, the neighbor's car. Now, uh, my two friends, they, they didn't know what to do, and um, so immediately the one calls his dad, and the dad goes over with a, a handful of cash and uh, various other things and, and, and takes care of the problem, takes care of the problem has a car detailed and all, all back to normal and, and paid for it. That's the picture of taking care of something. And, and, and there's many sins. There's some that we do inadvertently, but most of the time we do them full, full knowledge, right? But um, the picture is, how do you take care of sins? And so it, it was a simple thing, uh, the spraying of white paint on a black car and... Um, you know, it, it took money to fix. It took money. Um, but what, it, what does it take for me and you, for the sins that we've committed? It's a much more graphic picture. Once again, in the Old Testament, it's the spilling of blood. And, and so you look at this, and this is so important for us to see as we consider what does it take to take care of us? What is this kind of love it's the kind of love that uh, says that God uh, himself sent his son not just to um, be the high priest, right? Jesus isn't just the high priest. He's the sacrifice. He's a sacrifice. Do you understand this? That, that this isn't just... Uh, Jesus taking care of our sins in a way of paying for them with some money or something like this, that he himself was on the altar. His blood was spilled on our behalf. We, um, as a church, celebrated that this last week with communion. We were reminded of the price that was paid. He's the propitiation 
He himself was the propitiation. It wasn't just simply that he grabbed an animal, but that he himself went to the cross uh, that you and I might have life, that we might uh, have, that this is his love gift to us. This, this, as the recipients, we are the guilty ones being set free. It's clear in this verse that uh, it's said to be the propitiation for our sins. It's simple when we uh, make a mistake and then we hold ourselves accountable and we take care of it, right? We do something dumb, we pay for it. We mess something up, we go clean it up. We, uh, you know, uh, we break something, we fix it. That, that, those are simple things. But in this verse, it tells us this, that he was the propitiation. He paid the price, the penalty. He was the one. Why? For our sins. For our sins. We sing a song, uh, kids sing it a lot, but uh, our our sins, they are many. His uh, mercy is more. I think it's important for us to remember that as we celebrate the love of Christ this Christmas. And so I want to conclude by saying this. How will we make it? How will we make it through the difficulties of these days? I want to give you three things, and they both all start with confidently. I know that um, most of us here... um, struggle with the idea of confidence. Most of us like it. We like to be confident. And yet, uh, if we're honest, there are some areas, plenty of areas that we nervously think about. And so I want to encourage you with these three things. How will we make it confidently? First of all, knowing that God loved us and loves us. I I want you to get that. I I know that sounds uh, tried and easy, but um, as I've just described to you in verse 10, uh, the love of God is not something that he just said. It's something in an amazing way he uh, showed his love for you and that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Knowing we will confidently live knowing that God loved us and loves us. I say that uh, knowing this, that that may not change your health condition. That may not change your finances. That may not change the course. It it may be that second one where uh, we have some temporary problems that come up. Those temporary problems that last longer than we want them to, and they last longer than we think we can bear. I want you to confidently live in the midst of those knowing that God loved you and loves you. Secondly, uh, we can confidently live knowing that my sins are totally atoned for. Totally atoned for. Taken care of. Um, Sometimes in the, the difficult days, we start hashing over days gone by, and the questions pop up, and we go, oh, what about this sin, or what about that sin, and maybe 
<coughs> excuse me, maybe even connecting uh, the, the difficulties of life and saying, well, God really doesn't love me because if he did, I wouldn't be struggling so much with these temporary problems that are lasting longer than we think we can bear. I want to tell you that we need to look to the scripture and scriptures like this that says, as God loved us, he sent his son as the propitiation, the appeasing, atoning one, the the one that took care of what? Our sins. So we can confidently live. We don't have to worry about the the guilt of the past. Why? Because it's totally taken care of. It's atoned for. Which brings us to number three. And this is kind of the gist of the whole passage. Um, As we think about God's love in us, uh, we can confidently love one another out of the boundless resources that we have, having been loved by God in Christ. Um, why is it that we can love one another? Why? It's not because of our humanity. Our humanity has failed us. The reason that we can love one another is that God has given us unlimited resources in his love for us that we can now love one another. Hope that's encouraging to you uh, this time. I, I know that there are many who are struggling I want to encourage you to pray for one another, check in on one another. Um, It's important these days that we remember uh, what God has blessed us with in his church. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of being with your people. We do ask for strength in these days that we would uh, understand your love better. And that we would love one another more deeply. Uh, God, we ask for the joy uh, that comes from knowing you and the courage for the day. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.